The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Toasting show. I'm Drew. Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up? What up? What up? All right, and we have with us our uh, our favorite uh, teenage NBA contributor. Sensational. Um, sensational. He's um he podcasts for uh, Gotham Sports, and are you still doing your thing with uh with Macri? Yes, I am. Okay, so he's doing his thing with Nick's Film School and Macri. He also writes for Gotham Sports. It's uh our favorite redhead, Jeremy Cohen. Cohen, what up, buddy? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Nah, you know, just doing what every cool person does is record a NBA podcast in September in the middle of a Thursday night. Well, I'm glad yeah. to be here, at least. Are you? Are you, are you, are you really? You know, you Look, Drew, very Drew slid into my DMs begging me to come on the show, and I was like, ah, you know, I'll move some things around. And then he told me that you were going to be on it, Schwinn, because I thought it might be a guest host. And I was like, nah, fuck it. I, I don't really want to be here. And then I I finally gave in. I was like, all right, you know what? You already committed. You already committed. Exactly, yeah. I mean, everyone knows, like, once you lock down a commitment, you have to do it absolutely, even if it's like, you know, you don't like it or anything like that's that. Either. It's, I mean, that's, that's definitely how it works for people in New York City. Everybody's so committed to everything they say they're going to do. Yeah, we don't flake. Yep. So, um, well, I'm not in New York City. I'm in the great city of uh, Brookline, Massachusetts. So we're in Boston. Let's get this. Let's get this on the record. Drew keeps saying he's in Brookline. Nobody gives a shit. He's in fucking Boston. He's a traitor, and he loves fucking New England clam chowder and literally drinks it every day. I bathe in New England clam chowder. I love the cream, the creaminess of it. It's just, it's really good for my skin, and it's really great for my pores, on my face. Injects it into his veins. Oh, it's, yeah, just straight through the, uh, just like my toes, like a real fucking heroin addict. Just, like, get <laughs> it in there. <laughs> so, um, for uh, today's episode, um, we realized that we never really discussed, like, the off-season of the NBA, and just, like, we're just kind of reflecting on it today, just kind of before coming on, and we're yeah, just sure. like... In fairness to us... Much like the greater NBA media, it's just so amazing to talk about the Knicks offseason. You know, it's like the only offseason that mattered was the Knicks offseason, apparently. But there are 29 other NBA teams. Yeah. And they deserve their time. You know, they deserve it. 
Yeah, so on the Posting and Toasting show, the website Concentrate on the Knicks, we're going to talk about the Atlantic Division. And we're going to focus on, like, the offseason for, like, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Boston, and Toronto, not the Washington Wizards. I just discovered that probably five minutes ago that the Wizards are not in the Atlantic Division. So we're going to focus on these teams, talk about their offseason, because just in general, the NBA offseason was absolutely bonkers. And we just really need to, like, process the idea. Like, the landscape is, like, pretty much completely changed. Yeah, and there was so much, like, incest in the Atlantic Division. Yeah, like, there's tons of players moving around and everything like that. So we really want – so we're going to focus on that. We're not going to talk about the Knicks offseason. I think we've done that for um for all our episodes. I mean, we're know, probably like, going to talk about the Knicks offseason. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it because um, <laughs> we don't know if Jeremy has uh, had any takes on it. So we'll definitely need, to, need that. But we're going to go in alphabetical order. And our first stop is Boston. So the main moves Boston did was they lost Kyrie Irving. They replaced him with Kemba Walker on, I think, was it on, like, the four-year max? Yeah, it's a four-year max. Yeah, a four-year mm-hmm. max. Just they an signed, amazing, amazing negotiation. Yeah, I I can only imagine the negotiation with Danny H. He's like, listen, Kemba, i got to be play it real with you. I can only give you four years and the max. What do you say? Like, I think it's, a, I think it's what, it's a, is it 160? Is that what it is? 158? Sure. Let's just say it's 158. Someone, someone on our Twitter will correct us if we're uh, <laughs> wrong. So, uh. And he gave him a player option. Oh, did he get a player option though? I think so. I oh. didn't know that. Wow. So he has a player option and a max? Thanks. It's according to early bird rights. Okay. We'll go. We'll is go that, with is that better than Spotrack, by the way? I find it to be, yeah. Because he actively updates it. Jeff Siegel, I believe it is. And, um, it's I I've preferred it personally, but you know we'll see as the season goes on because things change. So well, look at that, we're dropping knowledge out here for all. Of yeah, those. everyone go to early bird rights now for all your uh <laughs> for your contract information and no longer slow track. <laughs> Get them out of here. Um, so they got Kemba. They signed as a primary option. Wait, just just to clear and, it up, it's sorry, not to, but it's it's four years, one hundred and forty-one million. That's that's still a lot of money, no matter how you uh. Ready to cut it. And their next big move, which was, you know, primary option number one, was Ennis Cantor at center. I didn't even know how much money he got, but he was a number one. Yeah, he was a number one target for the, uh, for the Celtics. Um, that was the main offseason moves. I don't really know who they drafted. I don't really care who they, uh, who they drafted and really anyone else, but like they lost Kyrie and Al Horford, who were, they lost Morris. They lost, yeah, they lost Morris. Yeah, like they lost like foundational players on their team. I mean, they lost. They lost. And they lost Rozier. Like, look, I, I, obviously, I don't think Rozier is amazing, but like they they legit lost five guys that were major contributors in their rotation last year. And like, sure, they had a disappointing year. But, like they they won what forty nine games. So I mean, they weren't total shit. They were. I mean, if anything, like. They were just disappointing, right? Because they allegedly had all this amazing talent. Maybe that speaks to the general public, like, overvaluing their young talent, whatever. Um, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, they, they lost these guys and, you know, what did they do this summer? It's like they brought in, so they brought in Kemba to replace Kyrie and then they brought in Ennis to, I guess, replace Baines? I guess so. And then they lost Horford and they lost, uh, Morris 
And so, like, they replaced Horford, I guess you can argue, with – so they signed the backup center for France's national team for mm-hmm. all of us idiots that have been watching the World Cup of Basketball at, like, 8.30 in the morning, um, Vincent Poirier. But, you know, he's probably he's probably better than Ennis, to be honest. So, I mean, not a high bar to clear, but – Yeah, he, that's not a high one. And then I think they, they still have Tice, right? They yeah. do. Yeah, but, like, their four spot is a fucking shit show. They don't have anybody there. They don't have any, like, even Morris, look, he's not a natural four, but, you know, in the modern NBA, you can definitely shift him down there, and he's totally fine. His best minutes in his career have come as a four. So, you know, that's, that's definitely a big loss for them. Yeah, but they have like, semi Ojale, though. They do. I actually, to be honest, okay, look, I, Ojale is somebody I, I think, I, I actually like him. And I know we're joking, but he's actually like a solid role player. No, I, I actually like yeah. him. And I think that he's one of those guys. What, he, he just finished his second year uh, in his career, right? Yeah. Same, he mm-hmm. came to Tatum. It's like that guy with the three ball is – he's Jermichael Green but better easily in my opinion. Um, so like I think he's a, he could be a legit player. I don't know if he is. But like at the same time, he's not a guy that you want eating – more than maybe 20 minutes a game, 25 max this season, right? And, like, their other options at the four are, what, Tatum and Hayward? And, like, I don't know, man. I, I don't think Tatum has the – he's not physically ready for that yet. I don't see it. I, it doesn't look like he's added any w- significant weight since he's come into the league. Maybe he just doesn't have, you know, the metabolism or the frame or whatever it is. But he looks the same when I've seen him in – uh, the World Cup, so I don't know about that. And then Hayward is just not a four, man. Um, I know, like, small ball is a thing, but, you know, even within small ball, you want a certain level of size, and Hayward is more of, like, he's more of a two-three wing rather than a three-four, right? Um, yeah, definitely. And but I, I think that, sorry, small ball isn't even really happening much that, that, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it seems that a lot of teams are deciding to go big instead of shifting that small ball, because, I feel like a lot of teams are trying to counter with the with the Warriors in terms of like, oh, they're going small, we should do the same thing. Now, when you look across the league, a lot of these teams are going big. And uh, like, you know, Philly or even the Knicks or um, the Nuggets, just a bunch of teams are deciding to load up on four fives and not playing small, which is where I think the Celtics could be at a disadvantage. Even the Lakers kind of did, right? Like yeah, pick, at least that was they, the mind. Because they yeah. traded for AD, and then they signed DeMarcus, and they signed McGee, and then DeMarcus got hurt, and then they yep. had to sign the Mavs, the Kings. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so like my theory of this has always just been the league – people always get obsessed with like the trends of the league, right? And I understand that to an extent, but – to me, the the trends of the league are dictated by who are the best players in the league. Like, who are the best players in the league? And especially now, like, sure, like, that old guard is still there, you know. Um, obviously, the Warriors probably would have won the chip last year if Durant doesn't get hurt. Um, you know, there, there's still, like, that generation of players that's still good, but I think that gap is closing. And you're seeing the the kind of current crop of young younger stars – rising and if you look at them across the board it's mostly bigs man uh, yeah. and even yeah. like the ball handler types are are fours right like simmons ben simmons he's a four um Giannis is like a four or five uh Embiid is, yeah and beat yeah. yeah. is the center towns yeah. is the center right and then like and then you start getting into okay like where does donovan mitchell fit in? like i don't know I, I guess the way to think of it is i think the guys that we just listed all right there right they all have chances to be 
they're they're all in my opinion Hall of Fame caliber talents. Um, I'd argue like you, you can argue Porzingis is borderline, Markinen is borderline, um, Siakam is not even necessarily borderline, but he's he's weird. Like if he plays a lot of games on a winning team, and I mean the guy's good. Like he's really good. He might be underrated. Um, and then you got younger bigs too, like Aiton and Jaron Jackson Jr., Wendell Carter Jr., Mitchell Robinson. Robert uh, Williams the third, who's probably as good as yeah. Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, just a, I would say God. Yeah, I I think so. Once you don that Celtic green, it just elevates your game. Um, and then obviously, of course, how could I forget Jared Allen? He of the negative <laughs> eight point one net rating last year. Um, it, it's just like the you know the best talents just look like big guys, and then you got and then you're like, okay, Donovan Mitchell is good, but how good is he? Devin Booker is good. How good is he? Um, 12-time Tatum is good. 12-time Yeah, it's like, I just, I don't, those guys all look like definite all-stars at some point in their careers, maybe even, probably multiple all-stars, all of them. But are they Hall of Fame, game-changing, like, franchise-altering talents? I don't think so. Not in the way that Jokic is, or Embiid, or Simmons, or Cat, or any of these guys. Like, I, I just don't see that. And, I mean, look, like, we shit on Porzingis, obviously, because we're Knicks fans, but... Wouldn't you say that in a vacuum you would rather have Porzingis than Booker or like Donovan Mitchell? I would. Personally. I mean, I would have a lot of guys ahead of Devin Booker because Devin Booker really isn't like that good. But that's a whole different <laughs> that's a whole different take in podcasts and a whole branch of actually like putting up stats on like literally the worst team in the NBA. Like, how good can you actually be as a player? So I feel that's like a whole different discussion, but. He's like he's still solid though. I'll give him that. He's still solid. Like he puts yeah. up like a lot of points. No, yeah. I mean, I see what you're like, saying in terms of like KP. The only concern, of course, is health. the injury history. Yeah. That's what, like pure talent. If we're talking, if that were to stay the same, then yeah, absolutely, hands down, KP. But the fact is, I mean, yeah, w- would I rather have a, an elite shot blocker and guy who can stretch the floor and shoot above forty percent from three? Absolutely. I just it depends on how you're building that team and what that. Um, shelf life looks like. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And then I guess, I mean, I guess just to come back to the Celtics, I don't even know how the hell we ended up here, but um, I, I don't know. They like their off season. I, there's no way anybody can convince me that it was a good off season. I don't care like what kind of mental gymnastics you do. It was absolutely not a good off season at any. I guess the only way you can do it is if you say that, oh well, Kyrie was already leaving, and but then even then it's like okay, but they wanted to keep Horford, right? They wanted yeah. to keep Horford. And I guess you can argue that, like, the contract he got from Philly is wild. But, like, isn't there some weird thing on the third year of that contract where most of it is non-guaranteed? So, I mean, it doesn't really end up being that crazy of a contract. So they lose Horford, a guy they didn't want to lose. They end up not even really being able to replace him unless, I guess, you count Ennis as a replacement, which I don't. I think he's a Baines replacement. Um, and now they just have all these bets. Like, they're betting so heavy on these young guys, which is fine, except they're still in this, like, they're capped out. Like, they're in this weird win-now mode, and they're probably going to be capped out for the foreseeable future because, unless they make big trades, because, you know, Smart's locked in on his contract. Uh, Jalen is coming up next summer on his contract, unless mm-hmm. they give it, they, they sign an extension this summer, which yeah, I think. Hayward's, yeah, Hayward's locked in for another two years. And on, like, his, his max at the time for two years, so he's yeah. 30 plus. Right, and then you know, Tatum's it's like, cap hold is twenty nine. Yeah. That's but that's two years, right? 
Yeah, but I'm saying even once yeah, Hayward comes right, off right. the book, you think you get salary relief, and you don't because even if they don't pay Tatum, I mean, he's going to – You get like six, seven million probably. Right. It's, it's, and they're hard capped too this year because of the sign-in trade with Rozier. Oh, that's right. But that was – see, that was – I think that was – that was like probably a good faith move, you know? Get, yeah. Get Terry like – look, if he wants to go there and you want the guy from their team, who gives a shit? Like just do it. And they weren't – like they're not, they're not one of those hard capped teams that's that's so close to – the hard cap, right? Like they have some wiggle room, I think. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I, I guess that one. Yeah, they do. Yeah, like that. That didn't seem. That's that just seemed like good business, um, especially for a team that's burned a lot of bridges. Like I think, I think they probably learned. Like I, I think that Isaiah Thomas thing has. Uh, I don't want to say it killed them because obviously they signed Hayward that summer and they traded for Kyrie and whatever. But uh, I do. I mean. AD's dad even came out and said like he didn't like they he thought that was shitty and that he didn't want his son going there right like we can yeah. act we can pretend this stuff doesn't matter but yeah man if you have like Danny Ainge's entire reputation is he'll sell his mother right for a better player or for a trade or whatever and yeah look man that has its value but can also bite you in the ass at certain points. Hayward strikes me as type of person who didn't give a shit about Isaiah Thomas. Like, he loved the fact that he could play for his college head coach. He loved the fact that he could go to Boston, you know, be, be that guy with a team. Like, like when I look... Yeah, I, so I, and his wife can be in MAGA country. So. Exactly, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say it's political or racial, but at the same time, I don't want to say it's not that. Like, I think there's a very clear distinction between those situations. And, again, Gordon Hayward doesn't strike me the type who's like, oh, man, IT got a raw deal. I don't want to go there. He's going to be like, no, I, I really want to get fucking paid, and this seems like a great opportunity. I'm going from one super white place to another. Let's do it. Yeah, so I think we covered the Celtics pretty well in that. Um, I think it's when I ask, like, where do you guys see them? Like, how many games do you see them winning this year? Like, where do you see them, like, falling in the uh, in the division? Like 46? I don't think they fell off too far in terms of regular season, especially just based on how the rest of the conference looks. But I don't see how they're going to advance in the playoffs. Yeah, their ceiling is definitely lower. There's no question about that in my mind. Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, I, I think maybe like, I, I don't think their regular season drop off will be very big at all, to be honest. Uh, maybe they win 47, 48. I mean, to me, I, if, look, there, there's a decent chance. We see this with young players all the time, right? That year two can sometimes be a stagnant year. Um, and then year three, you take off, or you know, you progress more, right? So maybe Tatum takes another leap. Um, person, I've never been the biggest Jalen Brown fan. He's all, he's definitely better than I thought he would be coming into the NBA, but I, I've never seen this fucking star potential in him or this, you know, what, what was it? 90% of Kawhi bullshit that Zach 90% was, of, yeah, 90% of Kawhi <laughs> and Paul George. Like, yeah, cause that, that was his justification for why they didn't make the Kawhi trade. It's like, look, either you're an idiot or the sources you have within the Celtics organization, but you, even though you're totally not a fan of the Celtics, despite the fact that you wrote for Celtics blog for like 98 years, um, yeah, totally not a fan of the Celtics, not, totally not, you know, biased or anything like that. But like, if that is your stance, I don't, I've never seen that at all. You know, maybe like 60% of Kawhi, which is a nice rotation player, which is fine. Um, like, I, I don't know. I guess I, I, I struggle to see where these, dynamic young player leaps are going to come from. I actually do like Grant Williams a lot, who they drafted. I thought he should have gone much higher than that. 
So that was a really good value pick for them. And, uh, look, I like Carson Edwards. I don't, I know he killed it in summer league, but it's like, that's one of those classic. He's one of the, like, he's the, ter- like, the perfect archetype of player that would kill it in summer league. You know, it, it didn't really say anything to me one way or the other. I do like him, uh, but those guys are rookies. To be honest, like, how many rookies picked in what? Grant Williams was like 21, 22, and Carson Edwards' second round pick. How many guys like that are impacting your win total in a meaningful way as rookies? Like very, very few. Um, you know, Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson doesn't come down. He doesn't come around every year. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I can, you could convince me more of like, oh, they're better set now. I, I think they're in this weird position where Ainge had to save some face, right? So he had to kind of like cap their next three, four years ceiling. Um, but you know, maybe the young guys take a leap and like, you know, if Grant Williams is as good as I think he could be and Carson Edwards is, like they, they could be in better position to make a move a couple years down the line, maybe in trade or something. But, um, yeah, I don't see the ceiling with this team. And frankly, like from where they were, two, three years ago to where they are now, that's just a pathetic and complete failure of management. Yeah. I also was convinced that Brandon Clark was going to be a Celtic. And I couldn't believe the fact. They had four draft, four first-round picks, and they didn't take him. And, yeah, I mean, Grant Williams is a, is a good player, but I think in, I mean, they're both around the same age. But um, at least that would give you more – Your this ceiling, this season would have a higher ceiling than having Grant Williams, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I guess for them, it's yeah, – the other thing is, look, I, I know we make jokes about Robert Williams. I actually do like Robert Williams. I don't know if he's going to be uh, – I don't think he'll be a Mitch-like freak because Mitch is a freak. Um, it, it's not a knock on Robert Williams, who I thought was a pretty good prospect and somebody I actually was interested in potential trade-down scenarios for for the Knicks at the time. Uh, but, you know, again, like – Look, all these guys could be good players. The odds are, you know, maybe we named like five, six guys. Maybe you hit on three or four of those. Do any of them have franchise potential, right? That's really what we're talking about here. Do any of them have game-changing trajectory potential? I don't see it. Tatum, I actually – I loved him coming out of college, and I still really like him. But to me, he just has always struck me more as like a kind of – his ceiling to me looks like a second best player in a championship team, which isn't like that. That's, that's awesome. That's not bad at all. But, you know, again, from where they were to where they are now, there's no way you can say it's anything but a disappointment. Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that. So let's move on. I think we spend enough time on the Celtics on a, on the next podcast. Let's talk about, um, the Brooklyn Nets. So they brought in Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, Wilson Chandler, and D'Angelo Russell is sent out in a sign and trade to the Warriors. And I don't know if they lost anyone else that major other than that. But, um, we know that Durant's not playing this, this next year, you know, for the Achilles and everything. And, yeah, I think that's it. So they basically more or less replaced D'Angelo with Kyrie, and oh, they, oh, they added a uh, Torian Prince. 
that's who they um, they added as well with uh with the trade. So I mean, I like I, I, I like I thought the Garrett Temple move was like I actually like him on that contract. I just don't know why that's what they needed to do with that exception. Yeah, I don't know either. So I know some people are probably going to think we're going to sound like petty Knicks fans because the Knicks didn't get Durant and Kyrie, but I mean, yeah, the Nets got them, but we have no idea how Durant's going to recover from his Achilles. We just watched Kyrie Irving destroy like the Boston Celtics, you know, the, one of the darling, you know, best run franchise, you know, hey, in the NBA, according to, you know, a number of writers. Let's, let's give Kyrie some props for that. That is true. I mean, he single handedly with his batshit crazy conspiracy theories and his moodiness and just, it was, it was a beautiful job. I do have to say, like, the idea of just like, if you're into chaos and everything like that, Kyrie did a beautiful job in Boston. But, um, so, I mean, they're going to improve because Kyrie is better than D'Angelo Russell. So, like, that's one thing. Like, so they will be better. Um, hopefully, Karis LeVert for them is going to be healthy for the entire season. But we don't know that. We've never seen him, like, not injured. Um, DeAndre Jordan is completely washed. <laughs> and they signed him for, like, multiple years, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, he was a cost of doing business, basically, right? Yeah, totally. pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's worth it. Like, I, I probably I, – would have been – first of all, I didn't want to sign Kevin Durant. After he tore his Achilles, I absolutely had zero desire to sign Kevin Durant. So if we had just done those three moves, signed Kevin Durant, Max Kyrie, and then done it in such a way that we could give DeAndre Jordan four years, $40 million, I don't know, man. <laughs> I I would I, – I, it would be tough for me to swallow Honestly, that. Honestly, that would be – if the Knicks did that, that would be stereotypical Knicks of like the ice era. The Isaiah era. Like that's it'd be a better, it'd be like a very high end, like a high end version. It's like the best version of an Isaiah era move because like Kevin Durant is like, was I think at some point like the best player in basketball. Like he really was. Uh, Kyrie Irving is still an amazing offensive player. It it would be be the meatpacking version of like what the Knicks usually do, which is mostly like a really shitty East Village bar version. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Like, you know, it's it, like, the Knicks, the Knicks get like, Antonio McDice. And, you know, and Kevin Durant's like, so, yeah, um, I don't know, like, they're gonna be, they're gonna make the playoffs this year. The Nets are gonna be good. I think their more thing is like, long term is, is Kevin Durant going to replicate what he was the past three years as, I would say, like, the best player in basketball? Um, Yo, uh, they're they the injury at like three one, and they're capped out or will be capped out because they're gonna have to do something with Levert and Allen eventually coming up and they Harris. They extended, they extended Levert. Oh, they did. Yeah, it's three years, fifty four million. Like it's like a pretty decent. That's not bad. It's a it's ascending though, so like each year it becomes more expensive. Which fine, whatever. It's but it's not like an even you know eighteen, eighteen, eighteen. Mm-hmm. It's or it's like sixteen point bullshit, and then. 18 and then probably close to 20, probably like 19.7. I don't know. I haven't looked at it, but I'm just doing mental math here. Um, I would assume it's something like that. Um, look, the, their biggest problem, their fourth spot is shit. Yeah. Okay. Their four, it's, it's literally, it's, uh, it is. Who, their fourth spot, you said? They don't have anybody. Wilson yeah. Chandler, 
it's suspended it's, for the first 25 yeah, games. It's Tory and Prince, uh, drug, you know, PED peddling Wilson Chandler and girlfriend choking Radonis Kuroks. Like, you know, great culture there. That's, uh, but Kuroks isn't even like, that's the thing is Kuroks, the only one of those guys that is like a legit four is Chandler and he wasn't good last year. No, I mean, he has to be good in a couple of years to be honest. And that's sad because I, I always loved it. Wilson, but I mean, yeah, he, I think he's, you know, he's, what is it that he passed his sell-by date? Is that, is that the saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was immovable in Denver, it seemed like, it seemed like he was always on the block and could never be moved. And then the moment Philadelphia could trade him for salary relief, they did. Sent him to LA. He was, part of that, was he in that Tobias deal? Is that what it was? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. I, I don't like I we I don't again. This is gonna sound. I think they will make the playoffs. Like I, I think they're to be honest, them in Boston. Uh, in, funny enough, this year I see them kind of hovering around the same level and fighting for the same kind of playoff positions. But with Boston, I feel pretty good about. I can't see them falling out of the playoffs, right? As long as Kyrie or as long as Kemba is healthy. Which, you know, his career, he's been healthy. There's no reason to say, like, to expect him not to be healthy. As long as he's healthy, I, I think they'll be okay. Like, the, I can't see them dropping out of the playoffs. Brooklyn, the Brooklyn has, you know, Kyrie usually misses, what, like 15 games a year? 10, 15 games a year minimum. Uh, and, like, without Durant, those 15 games could really matter. Like, really matter. Because you're talking about a team that I think has, you know, let's just say without Durant, 47, 48 win potential. Maybe 50, let's say 50. Best case scenario, right? 50. Okay. Uh, now you take out Kyrie for 15 games. It's like that. I don't know, man. You, you could get dicey down there, especially if you have some bad run of injury luck. Like it, the odds are again, like I said, I expect them to make the playoffs. I think they'll probably be battling for a four to six seed, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that that disaster scenario definitely exists. Um, I guess it's not a total disaster because guess what? They own their picks now. Congrats. Um, but yeah, I don't know that their whole that team is very interesting to me. I they seem so guard heavy. Like I don't I don't get that's why I didn't understand the Temple thing because you got Kyrie, you got Dinwiddie. Why the fuck do you need Garrett Temple too? Yeah, and you have Lever, and you have you had young guys like Musa. Um, who was a rookie last year. Um, they also have David Nwaba, it looks like. So, like, they have, like, wings and guards, and they have Joe Harris. So, like, mm-hmm. it's – I don't know. It's – yeah, they are guard heavy. Um, you could theoretically have Nwaba technically kind of play up, but, like, Nwaba can't really defend big guys. Kind of like – like, Bark is smart to, like, defend big guys, and Nwaba's, like, the, like, discount, you know, goodwill version of Marcus Smart. So – like I I don't know I don't I don't see it with them and like Lavert's probably more or less is going to get injured again. Oh, and Lavert's a guard. We didn't even list him. Yeah, so like they have just a <laughs> bunch of guards. Like they're so they're kind of like um who was a like their best five players. I don't know if you can actually play them all at the same you, time. You can. So, but this they're going to be. I would not surprise me if they are the worst rebounding team in the league next year. Oh, they definitely will be. Yeah. And I mean, I know, you know, shout out to our good friend James Marcita, who thinks rebounding is totally unimportant, but like, actually is important. Um, it's particularly defensive rebounding. Uh, and Jesus, good luck to them because, you know, 
Kyrie is not a good rebounder for a point guard. Uh, no. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really, I mean, I guess, I guess in some ways though, the, the season's a write off, right? Yeah. Cause it's, it's basically it's, like, like Durant's coming back next year. So this year is whatever happens, happens. But I mean, I don't know if they should really think of it that way because, you know, we don't know what Durant's going to be. Like it's a complete unknown. The thing is, the Nets have Durant and Kyrie for at worst three years. Like the thing is, I think Durant needs to take as much time as he wants, and we could say, you know, he's not going to play next year, and I I could see why he wouldn't. But at the same time, he like there's really not a lot of time to work with here. Like if the Nets want to capitalize their window and Durant's healthy and ready to go, I could see them putting him out there. I know obviously the reasons why he shouldn't, and maybe he won't. He probably won't, but. It's not like the Nets can really afford to be like, yeah, yeah, take your time, come back. Time is money. They're paying him forty million dollars the following year, and and it goes up from there. So they, and like you were saying, Shane, they they really can't make a lot of moves based on their contract situation. So it's just trades at this point. It has to be, yeah. And, and I, I just I don't see how they can defend, especially, um, you know, the, the four or five position. I mean, DeAndre Jordan, we were saying he's washed, but. A lot of it, I think, comes down to effort, but I don't feel like DJ really cares enough to try. And I don't see him this year being like, "Oh yeah, I'm on a super team. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go all out there and, and <laughs> win Depoy again." It's just like it, it, it won't matter to him because I think he'll be like, "All right, you know what? Jared Allen's not gonna play ahead of me. I'm making like four times his salary. That's fine." <laughs> <laughs> no, and then uh, like the other thing too with them is, so this is this is something I was thinking about today too, like. You know, the entire, so many stars moved this summer. So many stars moved this summer. And, like, the only, the star, right, that everybody talks about that is available potentially on the market is Beal. Okay. Now, if you're the Nets, like, do you really need another perimeter guy? Right? Like, if you have KD and you have Kyrie, let's, let's assume KD makes a full recovery and Kyrie, you know, stays being Kyrie. Beal is not the guy you need with the, with them, right? Like you need a dynamic front court player. But like what dynamic front court player is potentially available on the market? Okay, it's not going to be Porzingis. It's not going to be Jokic. It's not going to be and definitely not going to be fucking Embiid. Uh it's not going to be Cat anytime soon because that's literally all they have. Uh Jaron Jackson Jr., absolutely not. Markinen Maybe, but like, does he really fix what you suck at, which is interior defense and rebounding? Not really. Um, DeAndre Ayton, maybe when the Suns get a clue, like, no. I mean, but even if, even if you can get Ayton again, he, he's not doing anything for you to fix what you suck at. So I think that they're in a very tricky spot because obviously with Durant, when you, when he comes back, you vault into at least like, you, you're, you're at the minimum a dark horse, right? For a chip. Okay, sure. That, that's not nothing. But how are you, you know, every title team, literally every title team has to make moves within the season. They win titles usually to, to kind of like fill in the gaps and, and get them over the top, right? Like we just saw this Toronto where they went, out, they went out and got Marcus Holt. And why did they get Marcus Holt? Because they looked at the fucking playoffs and they're like, okay, well, we're going to have to play this dude probably named Joel Embiid and Jonas Valanciunas is not walking through that door and doing that. So 
we got to go out there and get Marcus Hull. Like, I just don't know if the Nets are looking at their team in season and like, look, we got to make a move here to get a guy that, that can get us, that, that can kind of just address our needs. Like, who are you getting? I don't know. The only person I can think of, and I don't even think it'd be that great of a move, but who could potentially be available is Blake Griffin. Yeah, and it's like, and, and Griffin is still like his value is almost entirely offensive. He's not a terrible defender right. or anything like that, but his value is offensively. But if you're looking to match salary and someone who won't cost a fortune, like Beal, as you're saying, he's going to cost a boatload. Everyone is going to cost so much fucking money and ter- well, assets, really. And the Nets, yeah, they finally have their picks, but how how worthy are they? They're really not, especially if you're topping out at you know 50 wins this year, maybe and you lose in the first or second round in the playoffs. You're not going to pick higher than 23, 24. So if, you, if you're looking at that and trying to attach and think of the future, he at least presents an option, but that he doesn't really mask a lot of what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, even if, like you mentioned, when that with Durant, they're a dark horse title contender. I mean, I guess on paper, but, I mean, I don't even see it with them as like even like a dark horse contender because – like, you're just kind of, like, looking at, like, the roster and rounding it out. You're just trying to think, like, what makes actually a championship team? And you just look at the, like, the Warriors needed to add Kevin Durant just to beat LeBron James. Like, they had Curry. They had Clay and Draymond. And, and Houston almost took them out. And Houston almost took them out the, the year after. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you think of, then you take it, then you take it a step further and you kind of, like, look at some things in the vacuum. Like, Kyrie's not as good as uh, Curry, like, at all. Like, can Karis LeVert be as good as Clay Thompson? Probably not. No, I, I don't give no. F- no. Not, not he. Fuck that. No, he right, definitely you, will not. Okay, but do you get what I'm saying though? Then you're just yeah. Like, no, right. I'm with you. I'm with you. I understand. And then, and then you go who's like, their Draymond? Are you going to think Torian Prince is going to match so, up with Draymond Green? Like I don't even see it with role players. But, with them, but, like they need to like redo their entire roster and then hope that Durant has some sort of prime left in him. Like I don't even see them as like a title contender, even if Durant gets healthy. But in fairness, well, like also, I think the top level. So I, there's not a Golden State level anymore in the league. Like, there's not a Golden State with KD level right, that you have to achieve to win a championship anymore in the league. Um, but, you know, to your point, like, you have to be at least as good as the Raptors were last year. I don't know if they, like, I, it's weird because I think the Raptors depth gets both overrated and underrated. But like, you know, they went, Eight deep and all those guys, eight, literally every single one of those eight guys was a two-way player. Every single one. Uh, Kawhi, Lowry, Siakam, Gasol, Ibaka, Van, Van Fleet, Green. Green. Yeah, like every single one of those guys is a two-way player. They're adding value on both sides. Like you look at the Nets. Kyrie ain't, he's not adding value on defense. Dinwiddie sure as shit isn't, even though he's big and he probably should. He definitely can't, he can't fucking guard a, brick wall um Levert is fine on defense I guess like I I, I promise you I haven't watched enough of Karis I, I've watched a lot of him in college was not a particularly good defender in college um I haven't seen a ton of him with the Nets mostly because I just don't watch the Nets that much but he's not he's not like a game he's not you know you need all NBA defenders right mm-hmm. hasn't every NBA champion in recent history had all NBA Multiple all NBA level defenders. I mean, that's what you need. Like, I they don't have any. To, like, they have Durant, who I think Durant's wildly overrated on defense. Actually, yeah, uh, but he's still good though. Like, when he's yeah, in yeah, the he's, game, good. he's still good. He's good, but it's like 
you need guys that are engaged all the time. You can't have I don't expect my stars to be engaged all the time, to be honest. Right? Like people like people said that about Kawhi, oh his defense fell off. And I'm like, yeah, well now he's also fucking carrying your offense. So of course his defense fell off. Um but you know, where so I don't expect that from KD and you know, Kyrie is whatever. He's not gonna be a great defender. He's okay when he tries, maybe. Um but it's like who are the guys then that are that are doing the defending when those dudes are not because they're not going to be for most of the time and it's like Lavert maybe Torian Prince isn't a good defender but he's okay so you got that um well Kirk's can potentially choke someone on defense so that could help slow people down <laughs> Jesus I <laughs> get <laughs> I got to get those uh I get those shots in when I <laughs> when the opportunity is just right there. It's got to lay it right up. So, so I um, think the biggest thing, honestly, yes, I totally agree in terms of you need that all defense caliber player. Um, so one of the things I was looking at when it was middle of June, we we're trying to figure out, you know, what should we do with Durant? What what would we want? Um, was that if you go back over the last thirty years, I know MVP can be very narrative driven, but if you take the top seven of the last 30 years worth of MVPs, only two championship winning teams did not have a, a top seven MVP candidate. And those two teams were the Spurs back in what, 2014 mm-hmm. and uh, the Raptors. And the reason is because it was Kawhi and a lot of his play in the postseason and everything he was able to do. So yes, I think it's really important to have those all defensive players, but at the, the bottom line is if Durant is not back to what he is, and Kyrie has never finished an MVP voting. None of those guys has. I mean, yeah, you've had DeAndre Jordan being a deep boy, but if if Durant can't be even 75 to 80% of himself, it doesn't even matter that they don't have all defensive guys because they need that star, and without him, it's it's largely moot for them. Yeah. There you yeah. go. So, um... Should we move on to the next team? Who's the uh, alphabetical order? Next Wait, did you, did you, did you, did you, what did you say? Where, did, where do you think Brooklyn's finishing? We, I think Jeremy said 46 wins, I said 48. What did you say? Oh, I didn't say anything. Um, fucking scumbag. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if everyone's healthy without Durant, they're probably closer to like 50 wins, you know, like 47, 48, 49, 50. Like, if Levert's actually healthy and Kyrie's healthy, and I don't know, like, they could get there, but. I, I don't, I don't see them like staying healthy. Like, you, did you so, factor in their culture and their, uh, amazing practice facility and their, the best medical staff in the entire fucking history of professional sports? Oh, right, the practice facility. I did not factor that in. You know, they may win 74 games this season because of the, uh, <laughs> the practice facility. Um, yeah, I mean, they're either going to be like the four seed or not make the playoffs. That's kind of where I see them, um, living. Like, I just, I don't think, they can maybe, like, if they're healthy, they can so, go on a run, they can squeak in as, like, the seventh seed. I would say, like, my last son of Brooklyn is, and I, I think the, from what, their line, I think, is what I've seen is 45 and a half. Um, it seems like the bookies are pricing in more disaster potential than maybe a lot of media are. Um, that's just my last thought on them. That's what it, that, that's just what that line seems like to me. Cause 40, 45 and a half just seems like you're trying to get people to bet the over. Uh, you're trying to get action on the over. I don't know. That's just me as a degenerate gambler. 
Okay, so we'll move on to the next team. I think that technically would be New York, so I'm just going to ask uh, Jeremy uh, a yes or no question. Jeremy, do you think the Knicks had a decent offseason? Yeah, I okay, do. Okay, good. Moving on. We're going to go to the <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers. Um, so the Sixers, uh, they lost Jimmy Butler to uh, Miami. They maxed out Tobias Harris. They signed Al Horford to quite a large contract. And I don't know if they made any, like, minor moves, really. But, like, the crux of it was basically, like, they lost, you know, they lost Butler. They're bringing in uh Horford. They're really looking to play, like, super big. And honestly, like, it could work. <laughs> like, I think their giant lineup in an odd way could work because if Horford could at least like have like yep. one more good defensive season, like offensive wise, they all space out pretty well. So I, I don't know. I, I think it can in a weird way if they, they, they may need a different coach, but so I'll let you guys go from there. Yeah, no, I'll let Jeremy go. East is big, man. No, I mean, like I did love that. <laughs> Shout out Mike Woodson. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the funny thing about Horford was that everyone was freaking out about where he would be playing. And I happened to spot this one random post on the NBA subreddit that was talking about how it followed all of Horford's boys who followed these Sixers players. And from there, like I, it started to make sense why you would have him there instead. Um, apparently they didn't even really offer anything to Jimmy Butler. They just didn't want him long-term. And that's what the sense I got, at least from, um, from Dave Early, who's much more plugged into the Sixers than I certainly seems, am. Seems like a mutual thing too. It doesn't yeah. seem like Butler really wanted to be there. Yeah, and I, you know, like I can understand, of course, when so many high usage guys, and that just doesn't seem to vibe with what he wants. So, granted, he had a really great couple of playoff games taking over, but um, no, I mean, just the fact to get Josh Richardson out of that it went a long way. I like what they did. I think that they can be a very deep threat. It really comes down, of course, to health. It comes down to Ben Sims with a jump shot or lack thereof. Uh, I also think that the fact that Embiid is going to miss a lot of games, it's, you can still shift Horford to the five, which will help benefit them quite a bit. I agree with you, Drew, in terms of the head coaching. I just It just doesn't seem to work, but I think they're going to give it another shot for a season, and we'll see from there, obviously. I mean, they, they didn't fire him, so he's, he's obviously going to still be there, but... Um, I like the James Ennis signing, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Smith plays. But um, I mean, overall, it's like they—they they are the team to beat in the Atlantic for sure. I yeah. just realized um, before when you get say anything that uh, Josh Richardson is actually on the uh, the Sixers. So I guess that was a trade, like a signing trade with uh, the Heat. So they do have Josh Richardson, who's solid. Like he—he's probably going to be better in this role than he was as, like, the main guy in Miami. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to add that in there, that uh, they do have Josh Richardson. And they don't have J.J. Redick. Where did J.J. go? Pelicans. He's in the Pelicans? Yeah. Oh, I can, for some reason I just completely forgot about that. But, um, okay, Schwinn, what do you got? Uh, So I don't I, – I, I feel like their actual ultimate ceiling is lower with – Horford than it was with Butler, but like I, they're just built to beat the Bucks, man. 
I don't see how the Bucks beat them if their dude, if the Sixers dudes are healthy. I don't see how they're, they're, it just, there's so much size and they're, Horford is like the guy who kind of gives Giannis trouble and sure Giannis shit on his life last year in the playoffs, but like there's a big difference between Joel Embiid backstopping the defense and Aaron Baines. Like Baines is nice. Embiid is dominant. Um, so they've got that. I think they can just bludgeon their way through the East mostly. Um, and look, here's the thing is I don't know how to feel about Brett Brown because I haven't been his biggest fan. I think he's kind of like boring offensively. I, Redick is a big loss, by the way. That's a bigger loss maybe than people want to talk about just because that guy's he's what maybe he's probably one of the five greatest shooters of all time. Um, and, and it's not just that he can shoot. It's the type of shots he can hit on the move running full sprint. It's just crazy. Um, like I, I like Josh Richardson, but he is not JJ Redick, man. I don't care what advanced metrics you throw at me about his defensive value and blah, blah, blah. Like JJ Redick really did a lot for them. Um, though I think Josh Richardson might be a better fit in terms of like the fact that he can kind of operate as a secondary ball handler while nominally playing the point, even though Ben Simmons is the point guard. Um, so that's nice for them. Uh, you know, but you look, I haven't been Brett Brown's biggest fan, but I thought he got shit on last year in the playoffs for shit. Like, what do you want this? He played Joel Embiid like every minute he possibly could in that series against the Raptors. And basically with Embiid on the floor, they outplayed the, I think they were like plus, they had some crazy stat about game seven where it was like, with Embiid on the floor, they were plus 14 or something like that. And he played 45 minutes and they lost the game by two in regulation. So, you know, do the math. Like, you can understand maybe why they thought that getting Horford in was the play for them um, if they knew that Butler was gone and they didn't really want to keep him in the first place. Uh, You know, getting in a guy who can not only just play next to Embiid, but can also step in for him at the five and be a quality five, especially in shorter bursts, um, that's a that's a really good get. So they had a I didn't like their offseason at first at all. Um but I think in I, I I definitely was over they're in win now mode. Right? That's basically what it is. They they knew they're in win now mode. Those guys are ready to win now. Embiid is good enough. Simmons, it may be not, he may not be good enough, but, you know, maybe he can shoot a jumper because apparently he's done that in pickup games this summer. Who knows? As long as he's not just <laughs> hanging out in the dunker spot, as long as he's not just hanging out in the dunker spot in every crucial possession of fourth quarter games in the playoffs, that would be a huge change. Um, either way, like those, those guys are ready to win now and they just, we're in a position where they're like, fuck it, like, let's just go for it. Um, so I think when I was initially viewing their offseason, I just, I'm like, oh man, that Horford contract's gonna suck in like two years, maybe. Um, but, you know, if they win a ring, which they definitely could win this upcoming season or the year after, who cares? You know, it's not gonna matter. So, it's a gamble. I don't know if it was the best gamble, but, uh, Considering what they had to work with. One thing I will say is I think that Tobias Harris contract is an underrated, horrible contract. I get why they had to give it to him, but that is a shitty contract because Tobias Harris is not worth a five-year, $180 million max. No fucking shot. 
Absolutely no shot. Any other team, though, it wouldn't have made sense. Almost any other team. Yeah, it makes sense. Don't get me wrong. It makes sense, but it's like, it's, it, this is like the situation where, like I, like I said, when I first looked at their offseason, I was like, I don't like this. But I was focusing so much on like year three from now and year four from now and year five from now. Um, it's the type of contract where like, like you said, like it makes sense because they're trying to win now. So it's like, you just got to keep what you got, the guys you have. You wouldn't have been able to replace Harris effectively. So you pay him to keep him. He's not a bad player. He's obviously a very good player. Um, but it's like, you know, if they don't win in the next two years, I think that Horford contract's gonna look atrocious, and I think that Tobias Harris contract is gonna start being like an albatross. So, that's just my thought. And it's not because I think Harris sucks or anything like that. He's a very good player. He's just incredibly overpaid. So, I didn't realize JJ Reddick wasn't on the Sixers anymore when I was like, their offense could, like, work really well, because I thought JJ was still there. Um, Tobias Harris, like, shot well last year from three, almost 40%. But I don't know how real that's going to be. And Josh Richardson isn't a three-point shooter either. And B takes a lot of threes, but he can't make them. Um, their offense could be really clogged um, if no one's going to be making threes. So I think that's actually something we should be looking towards, like moving forward like throughout the season and even the playoffs. And probably Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler, even if Butler didn't want to resign with them, could be an issue because they were – Probably a crazy, you know, there were Kawhi Leonard making a crazy three to probably getting to the finals. So I think we should keep that in mind when, uh, with the Sixers moving forward and we can kind of end it there. If you guys want, we can move on to Toronto. Yeah, I don't, I don't sure. Know. Yeah, I, it's, okay. it's interesting. Tobias is an interest. There, I mean, just, I guess the last thing I would say is their five man lineup, presumably that you would close games with is going to be, Richardson, Simmons, Tobias, Horford, Embiid. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I offensively, I'm not sure how that works. Defensively, I think they're going to be a juggernaut, though. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So um, let's just let's move on to the Raptors. We'll save maybe the most interesting for last because they won the title and they lose their best player, who was arguably the best player in the playoffs. And had one of the best runs that we've seen in quite some time in Kawhi Leonard. And they didn't really replace him with, uh, with anyone. So, but like we saw Pascal Siakam emerge as a, um, as a legitimate like player, like a two way player. And I, I don't know what to, are they still the best team in the East or at least, um, one of the best three teams in the East. They're the third best team in the East. You have them as third. You have them as third best. Yes, hundred percent, no <laughs> question. I think that people are. I mean, we're just talking about like what, I think they had the same winning percentage last year without Kawhi as they did with him. Uh, DeRozan, who I've never, I think, is kind of like the best empty stats guy you could imagine. They won what fifty six or fifty seven with him the year before. Um, they consistently won in the fifties. Their defense is still going to be sick. Um, their offense is obviously going to take a hit, but they're not going to be shit. I just, I, I mean, are they? Did they really lose? I mean, we're talking about the regular season. Did they really get ten games worse in the regular season by losing Kawhi? I highly doubt it. Highly, highly doubt it. Um, and Danny Green was good, but like, you know, he's no great shakes anymore. 
Uh, yeah, I – and they didn't even have OG, right? They didn't have OG for a lot of the season. So, like, I think OG could take a leap. I'm I'm pretty bullish on the Raptors as far as regular season performance goes. Uh their over under is like forty six and a half. That's one of the that's that's one of my like personal favorite overs. Um anyway, I I don't know. I who the fuck cares what they do this season? They want a fucking championship, man. Like <laughs> I really don't even know what to say about them. The only thing I would say is the danger of betting the over with them is I can totally see Masai blowing this shit the fuck up. Uh, Took because, the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, like I was talking about this with one of my friends the other day, but if I was Denver, I would be trying hard to trade for Kyle Lowry because I think he's like the perfect guard for that team, um, and he would help them out so much. He'd probably help out. He'd help out Jokic so much. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of a random t- tangent, but like there are a lot of, I mean, all, all these guys expire, right? Gasol, uh, Lowry, Ibaka, those are the three biggest contract guys and they are all coming off the books after this year. So, you know, maybe Masai is just going to move into like, look, I need to get assets and start building around Pascal and OG and Van Vliet and see what I can get. That wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Yeah, especially because I – so I didn't think they could finish top three. And then I looked at the standings again and it makes a lot of sense why you have them there. Um, it's just, yeah, I look at that team. The problem is that they've got some great players, but they're all on the wrong side of 30. You know, I mean like that doesn't – being like 30-31 doesn't mean you're done. But what, Lowry's like 34, Gasol's 36, Ibaka, I mean he's, he's 31 – I think the inflection in my voice dictates that there's like some questions about that, but for the sake of it, we'll say he's 31. Oh boy. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, but the, the point being is that, yeah, I completely agree that this team as constructed, I don't see him re-signing a lot of these guys. And even if you're competing, like he's shown he can do anything. He's willing to do anything, what it takes to look in the long run to expand your ceiling to the highest it can be. And sure, this team could have a nice season, and it doesn't really matter because, as you said, Schwinn, they won championship last year, and that's totally fine. But to let all of those guys just walk at the end of the season and you're left with Siakam, a high pick, which is fine because they found cert- they've certainly found value with that pick, or, you know, non-lottery picks. Their entire team last year was comprised of non-lottery picks. But it just seems like the opportunity to trade players and get something back is too great to just be ignored. And because of that, that's why I see that over-under exactly being where it is because I think there's a lot of skepticism in terms of what Masai – how ruthless is Masai going to be? And I think he could very easily be ruthless. Yeah, and and the other thing is like it's been rumored for a while that Masai has always kind of wanted to do a rebuild but has never really had the opportunity in Denver or Toronto. Just the timing never worked out and – the team situations. I mean, his first moves when he came to Toronto, it definitely looked like he was trying to tear that shit down. And then he kind of stumbled into, oh wow, without, without Bargani, like we are actually, and without Bargani and Rudy Gay, like we're actually pretty good. Like we, we're a pretty good team now. Um, so he kind of stumbled into that, but you know, I, I think he probably does want that challenge of like, hey, look, like I, I can build something from the ground up and not just make the best of what I inherit and, you know, I, I, look, if I was a GM, I would imagine that 
that is kind of a, I don't know, uh, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's like one that you want, right? It's one that you would, if you believe that you're a high end, top level GM, it's one that you'd back yourself to, to do successfully. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I get, like I said, to me, the only concern about them this season, if they just kept it how they keep it, I think they're the third best team in the East. If they don't, I mean, but, you know, is that really incentive? Because what's your future? Like you said, right? What did you say? They're all over 31 or something. So, yeah. Uh, and Ibaka's probably like fucking 68 for all we know. Oh, uh, boy. Are we really going down this road? <laughs> Ibaka is older than he says, man. Come the fuck on. The dude started declining. His production started declining at age 25. It's almost like his birth certificate is – he's probably four years older than what his birth certificate says. Like, come on, man. Let's be realistic here. That doesn't just happen. Um, yeah, I am going to not engage in this type of skepticism when it comes to foreign players with their birth certificates from certain places. I'm well, to be, not you're already engaging, that to be fair. Like, you're already yeah. in it. So now you might as well just continue and, and state your case. So oh, that's, it. That's, that's my case. Look, if he's not, I don't care. No, no, I meant, I meant yeah. Drew. Like, Schwinn, you, we've made our points. Drew, you're in it now, dude. All I'm going to say is, is that his birthday is September 18, 1989, and he you're is You're saying Serge Ibaka is, is two years younger than me? I call bullshit. Well, I call bullshit. I am saying that Serge Ibaka is the same age as me, and oh. I am not going down that path. So, so I guess what we found out today is that Drew draws the line at quite like being skeptical of certain players' birth dates, but he is also fine with making jokes about a player being accused of a crime way before he's ever convicted of it. That's what we discovered today. Wow. Yeah, I'm fine with um, NBA players from Latvia not giving them the benefit of the doubt when, they, when it comes to treating women and what they do. Like, I'm pretty safe to assume that that's like a, that's what they do. Like, that's what Kuruks and number six do. They just, they don't all, treat all, all, uh, all, all 10 of our Latvian listeners are definitely never listening to this podcast again. <laughs> I mean, that's fine with that me. That was the final straw. Look, if that's the case, if they're going to be like, if they want to defend Porzingis and Kuruks, go right ahead. Don't listen to the show. That I, I'm, I'm fine with, uh, Taking those hits and defending my fellow thirty-year-old Serge Ibaka. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm defending. Are you him. sure that Serge Ibaka isn't my age at this point? Well, I don't think he's seventeen. No. Yeah, he's de- he's not seventeen, That's so he's fair. definitely. But um, yeah, I didn't really realize the um the rebuild potential with Toronto because I feel like if as is they're going to be a top three team in the East, like they were really good. And they pretty much, like, kept their depth. But, no, you're right. Like, the idea of, like, they're not going to win a championship this year. So why not just blow it up because Kyle Lowry's old and Gasol's old. So, like, yeah. So I didn't really consider that. And that's actually a good – that's a good point. Um, did I bring on any uh, um, Atlantic teams? Do you want to talk about the Wizards who are definitely in the Atlantic division? <laughs> no. <damn> zero. <laughs> Fuck the Wizards, man. Uh, actually, whatever. The Wizards are – I feel – Pretty ambivalent about them. I, they're just, they need to make significant moves this year, one way or the other. Like, I just don't see what they're doing. It's like, you just gotta trade Beal or, you know, I guess just accept you're not gonna 
do anything for the next couple of years. Their whole, I don't get it. Um, they should trade Beal, but maybe they're just putting on a strong face because, you know, just pretend that you definitely aren't going to trade him and see what that yields. Um, but no, I, I guess the only thing is to, I just want to point out how much intra-division movement there was though in the Atlantic. So Kyrie went from Boston to Brooklyn. Marcus Morris went from Boston to the Knicks. Cantor via Portland went from the Knicks to Boston. Uh, Horford went from Boston to Philly. Uh, that's, that's quite a bit. I feel like yeah. maybe I'm forgetting a couple. I don't know. I mean, those that. are, those are the main ones though. And I haven't really seen any that type of like interdivision movement of like really like both important like star players and like really important role players in a really long time. Cause you just I, don't see that. You just don't see guys like, like leaving that, especially for, uh, for someone like Horford who were just like, went to the Sixers, like a team that the Celtics, like usually did a good job of beating. And he's like, nope, I'm going. You yeah. remember what, you remember when there was like that week period leading up to free agency where everybody was trying to figure out who the mystery team was for Al Horford? I do. Mm-hmm. I was so convinced it was like the Pelicans. I really wanted it to be the Pelicans. I mean, they got JJ Redick apparently, so they got and, someone. <laughs> they did Derek Favors. Yeah, they got Favors. So that was a good and also, um, two other players who did the intro division, uh, Trey Burke by way of Dallas. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, obviously this is the biggest move of them all. Rondé Hollis Jefferson went to the Raptors. Oh man, he's so fucking good. He's going to bring so much culture to the Raptors because they need that. They need that Brooklyn culture instilled in them. No correct. Championship to level. It's gonna be really tough for him though, because the training facility is really far away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in a whole other country. Yeah. Are we sure? Are we sure uh, Toronto even has training facilities in Canada? No, I don't think they're allowed. Or do you I think, think it's just ice rinks and that's it? Yeah. Do you think it's like socialized training facilities and everyone has to share the same training facility in Toronto? Like the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jays and the Raptors all have to share one thing since no, you know I, 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 for the collective it's greater good. If there's one thing I know, it's that every hockey team has their own training facility, for sure, in Canada. Uh, oh, yeah, also, they signed Stanley Johnson. That's, that's not impressive. Yeah, it's not. and it's not even in the division, so who gives Wait, a shit? It isn't, but it is a thing. Which, which Arizona lefty is worse, Stanley Johnson or Rondé Hollis-Jefferson? Johnson's a righty. No, he's a lefty. No, he's a righty. Stanley Johnson shoots with his right hand? Yes. I don't think that's true. Okay, well... It looks like the answer is Ronda Hellas-Jefferson. Yeah, I'm going to say Ronda Hellas-Jefferson. All I will say is that I will bet you $16 billion that Stanley Johnson shoots. Yeah, I owe you $16 billion. So according to basketball reference, he shoots with his right hand. Yeah, you can just Venmo me. I'll Venmo you? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Do you guys want to cover any other teams or cover anything? So, Jeremy, what's going on, man? Yeah, Jeremy, don't you want to tell us the story about uh, someone you met? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So, um, as uh, as you guys know, there's a very good chance that uh, some stars were coming to the Knicks this year, and one of my uh, we'll call him a friend. uh, He uh, (laughs) he works for a a a company that has dealings with Vegas, and he was told by someone very high up that uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were coming to the Knicks, and of course we all believed. There's a very good possibility this happens. So we tried to get season tickets. Well, it turns out a lot of other people did the same thing. Fortunately, uh, 
they did not wind up signing here. We did not get dealt with a full or half season plan. Um, unfortunately, if you want to look at it, we have a quarter season plan. So as first time Knicks season ticket holders, we, uh, we, you know, it's like we, we really haven't done much with it, obviously, because the season hasn't even started. But I got a call saying, hey, if you guys are around, uh, Larry Johnson is going to be having lunch with some season ticket holders. You guys want to come through? And so a friend of mine and I went, uh, there's five of us who have four seats and, uh, the two of us went there and had a great meal, just us sitting next to Larry Johnson the entire time. And, um, <laughs> this is a guy to the left of us who, was asking ridiculous questions like um, 20 minutes in. He goes, hey, uh, hey, LJ, what do you think of James Dolan? Oh, boy. <laughs> and everyone's looking at it awkwardly. And he's like, yeah, well, what do you think of the Oakley thing? <laughs> like, what? Are you fucking serious? And then he just he, he FaceTimes his mom. He's like, yo, LJ, say hi to my mom. It's, it was just the most awkward fucking situation. But he was really cool. He had some really nice things to say about Don Nelson and Jeff Van Gundy. Um, yeah, he also thinks that Zion might struggle a bit to start the season, just based yeah, on... Yeah, because he's fat now. Yeah. No, yeah, we were talking about that. It was like the po' boys and jambalaya and the gumbo, everything. He's like, yeah, that's, food down there is the worst thing to have, just because of how hard it was for students, that, or students, for uh, players there. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a cool experience. What um, What did he eat? Everything was served a la carte. So he had whatever we had, but he said he's cutting down on meat because I think it was back. All right. So what did you get? Okay. So what were the food options there? Like, what were you guys eating? So we started off with a very easy salad, not much to it. And then we had some toasted baguettes with avocado and egg. And then we moved on to uh, some sort of pasta with red sauce, good chicken, potatoes. And then uh, there's an eggplant parm thing and Ooh. it was like it was it was a breaded eggplant stacked with tomatoes stacked with mozzarella stacked and then like keep repeating that was pretty good and so then, you uh, say you say tomatoes not tomatoes <laughs> tomatoes no no I, i'm <laughs> wait it's it, everyone knows it's really pronounced tomatoes? Tomato. i say tomatoes all the time yeah but you're a uncultured swine that lives in boston of you course i expect you to say I say I live in Brookline, and I grew up in You the live in States. Boston. You are Brooklyn. MAGA. You're MAGA as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wear that Make America Great Again hat everywhere I go. Everybody and, knows that people that do yoga are MAGA as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I actually wear my MAGA hat backwards in yoga every single time I go. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, great. it's a great look. Um, fuck, I want to say about this. Uh, you wear it into Anna's Taqueria? Oh wow! How'd you get that one? I think I went to school in Boston. Where? What school? I went to High Brown. school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went to middle school up there. Now high school back in the city. You went to high uh, school there? No, no. You went to high school, school in the city, and I went to college in uh, outside of Boston. Jesus. What? Uh, what God. school? All you guys are, should be twins. Oh, I'm talking to Drew. Brando. You guys should be embarrassing yourselves. Isn't that the school that closed down for, like, fraud? No. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's no, my knowledge. No, there is a, a school, I think, no, I think, it was, I think it was Newberry College or something like that. I just remember. Amps College is starting to potentially close down. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just remember that there was this, when I was working at, 
Trader Joe's. There's this uh, new guy at the time. And I was like, oh, so what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm in school, but, like, my school shut down. And I was like, what? I was like, you clearly went to, like, a scam school. Like, what do you mean your school is shutting down? I was like, who chooses the school that's going to shut down? But, yeah, so I don't know. I forget the name of this school. Was he, was he at Harvard? Brookline Community College? Yeah, Brookline Community College. Yeah, no, he was at, uh, he was at Tufts. <laughs> Tufts closed down. <laughs> what was, what was the school that, uh, Robin Williams is at in Goodwill Hunting? Isn't it like Bunker Hill Community College or something? Well, there is a Bunker Hill Community College, so I was making a joke. I forgot that, uh, uh, what's his name? Matt Damon is actually writing on the board at MIT and not Harvard. So I forgot about that. Oh yeah, so, yeah, it's MIT, and it's also like clearly a high school. That's the best part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I, that guy's accent, his professor's accent, I don't know why, it just bothers me so much throughout that movie. It's like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, are you British or are you like European? What's going on, man? Like, what's yeah. let's talk about this. You know, for a movie that did a really good job with the Boston accent, yeah, that guy just wasn't nailing it. Like, it's. Yeah, the Boston accent's a really interesting one because it's not as like overt as people think it is. It's actually quite subtle for the most part, but it's every fun. now and then it comes. Look at up. Drew here, fucking defending Boston. Listen, man, I look, it, it's not as bad as you guys think. You know, it's just <laughs> ridiculous how much of a homer. Next thing you know, he's gonna come back with a fucking Ennis Cantor jersey. You mean the the player who's definitely not as bad as defense as people think he is? That Ennis Cantor. Yes. Yeah, I haven't listened to that pod yet. It's with Lowe and Simmons, but apparently Simmons has a whole thing about this, and it's like, dude. Actually, Macri just had somebody on his pod, uh, some Celtics guy, and I was just listening to it today, and he was like, yeah, look, I don't think Cantor's just he, – he's like, he's pretty – he's not great, but, he, you know, you can hide him like Portland did. And I was like, man, I think sometimes maybe we should just look at the larger sample here. <laughs> maybe we should just look I, – I, look – Props, I can't take away what Ennis Cantor quote-unquote did in the playoffs, but uh yeah, look, it, the majority of his career kind of would lead you to – I think the safer bet is that he sucks at defense. That's just me. I just love how it seems like every time the season starts if, when he's with a new team, people always talk him up. Like, oh, no, no, it's not going to be that bad. It's fine. And then, you know, November's like, okay, well, it is what it is. We'll deal with it. And then by the time December rolls around, it's like, yeah, get this guy off my fucking team. I can't I can't live with him. Yeah, yeah, he did well with Portland for a brief stretch, but it's not like he was also being asked to play that role to begin with. Nurkic shattered his leg, and then the ref stepped on him, and, like, of course you're going to have to turn to someone, and it's going to be Cantor. Yeah, and I think they just had some decent matchups work for them. Like, Russ, Russ can't shoot. OKC in general can't shoot, right? Yeah. So he could play. Adams had a real stinker of a series, too, to be completely fair. And I guess you can give... And it's some credit for that, but fuck him. I'm not going to give him credit because this is the next pod, so I don't need to give him credit. Um, and what well, then they played Portland after that? No, they and, played the Nuggets. Oh, right, right, sorry, sorry. Yeah, they played the Nuggets. And then, yeah, Murray just – Murray was like so up and down. Like I, it was literally every other game with him in the playoffs. It was like one game I was, I was like, yeah, you know, I always liked Jamal Murray. And then the other game I would just be like – I don't know. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I never said anything good. About <laughs> uh, it's twenty-two. So you know, I mean, like, no, this, I, I'm, this I'm still. I think he averaged like twenty-five and four or something like that in the playoffs. Twenty-two, twenty-four, and three. I don't know. But for a twenty-year, twenty-two-year-old making his first appearance in the playoffs, I, 
I didn't understand. Did, like, there was just this meltdown over Murray every time he'd have a bad game, and it's like, look, man, I, I don't really what, – what are we crying about here? He's a good player. He's 22, probably get better. Generally, it happens. Um, but then again, I also have discovered recently that um, Kevin Knox has actually done – he has no chance of improving, and Frank has no chance of improving, and Dennis Wood Jr. had a chance of improving until he came to the Knicks, and now he has no chance of improving. So there's a lot of stuff I'm still learning about basketball. Yeah, I don't know why he spent this entire summer reshaping his shot when there's no point because he's not going to get better anyway. So why do you try to get better if you know you're not going to be better anyway? That's, that's a great point you made. Uh, that's a great point. <laughs> hey, do you guys want to hear uh, Jokic's numbers against the, the Trailblazers? They're silly. They're fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so, uh, he dropped, his first game was 37, 9, and 6. Jesus. <laughs> is it 9 six, rebounds or is that assists? 9 rebounds. Yeah, so it's gonna be points, rebound, assists. Then it was 16, okay. 14, and 7. 33, 18, and 14. 21, 12, and 11. Was that that quadruple overtime game? I think so. Then it was 21, 12, and 11. 25, yeah. 19, and 6. 29, 12, and 8, and then 29, 13, and 2. Yeah, Ennis Cantor did a great job of slowing down <laughs> in that series. Like, really underrated defender. There. He didn't I mean, even close half the games. They had to fucking bench his ass to put in Zach Collins. It doesn't even make fun. Like, I don't understand the, any sort of argument that he can make that Ennis Cantor is an underrated defender. Like, even if, like, even if taking the context, like, he's pulled out. But if you want to assume that Cantor played most of these games, just look at Jokic's numbers. Like, he just destroyed him. Like, I, I, I don't get it. It, it makes I can, absolutely no sense to me. I can already tell you the top one most annoying single storyline that we're going to have to hear the entire regular season is how uh, the Celtics lost stars, but they their culture is so strong now, and everybody feels good, and everybody's happy, and everything is great on their route, on their way to, like, 46 wins. Yeah, 46 wins in a first-round loss to, like, the Raptors with 12-time Tatum taking Kobe mid-range shots, you know. Have, uh, have fun with that. <laughs> have fun with that, guys. Like, that's going to be the end result. Because you're right, that's going to be the narrative. It's going to be Kemba so much better than Kyrie culture-wise, which, I mean, he is. Kyrie's a fucking nightmare. Um, supposedly Ennis Cantor is great for the culture, but you know, he isn't. And that's what we're going to hear. And then the end result is going to be a disappointing season. And we're going to be like, yep, I told you so. Like, okay. And then, yep. And Cantor's then going to play behind Poirier and then he's going to throw him under the bus and everyone's going <laughs> to look it over and be like, oh no, you know, he's just, he just really wants to play. He's a competitive player. It's fine. He's no, that then, sitting on him. He's, because he's on the Celtics now, everyone will suddenly remember that like, oh yeah, he, he's not good. So this is smart by the Celtics. Um, real quick, the other the other storylines for each team. Uh, the Raptors is going to be, are they going to blow it up or not? Philly's going to be, they look so clunky. What's wrong? What's wrong? They're going to be that team, I think, for a lot of the seasons. Like, what's off? Something's off here. We got to figure it out. The spacing sucks. They're going to be the the crisis team, but I think they'll be fine and they'll probably win the East, in my opinion. Um, and then who's the one I'm forgetting? Oh, Brooklyn is just going to be like. Oh, they, they don't have Durant. They need time to gel and stuff. And once they get it together and Kyrie starts leading his team, it's going to be great. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn's going to get all the excuses. Just kind of how Boston kind of got excuses for like, for a good part until people like, yeah. turned on Kyrie. But like, it took until like point... game 65, I think, last year or something like that, where people were like, Hey, look, maybe the Celtics just aren't that good. 
<laughs> yeah, so like the, the Nets are gonna get that treatment. They're just gonna be like, it's okay. Wait till Durant gets back. Um, what's gonna be the uh, the Knicks narrative this uh this season? They failed. They is failed. That what, is that what they have too many guys? They have too many guys. They failed. <laughs> That's it. It'll be that. Like, what other narrative could it possibly be? Uh, in fairness, like I do get that, but like I think I said this on our last pilot set. Like, if they had just not signed Peyton and Portis, I would be, I would be extremely happy with what they did. This not extremely happy, but like I'd be, I'd feel a lot better about what they did this offseason. I kind of think those two dudes were superfluous and not necessary. Yeah, it, but it was definitely over the top. Yeah, I didn't think they needed those two guys, but um, you know, they signed them. They don't really hurt them long term. I am just if they win like thirty games, I'll be very, I'll be happy. Thirty oh, games yeah. and the guys get better, like and they improve and they play a lot of minutes. I'm, I'm very much on board with that season. I think that they'll have a win pace that's higher than that, but then they'll flip one or two guys and then you know everything will they'll start to scale back a little bit. Um, I was thinking with the Nets, the biggest storylines also could be like how Kenny Atkinson reshaped and saved Kyrie Irving's career. <laughs> yes, insane <laughs> numbers. It's like you know, like he had D'Angelo Russell and he turned him into a, an All Star. It's like now how Kyrie Irving is an early MVP candidate. It's like all right, they, it's they, fine. They did that with Kyrie in Boston too, and I never understood that. It was like oh, now he's playing for Stevens and he's taking him to a new level. And I'm like, dude, he just won a fucking chip, like. <laughs> what, what do we like? He just did the same shit in in you know in in Cleveland. I don't know. I, it's the funny thing to me about Boston has always been that I actually do think Stevens is a really good coach. Um, a bit definitely overrated, but he is a really good coach. I don't, like, I, I'd take him over Giannis just for what it's worth. <laughs> so it's would it be who would be your top five then for that if you're taking. Stevens over Giannis. Like, is Brad Stevens the number one pick? You know, it's, no, there's still more coaches. It's oh, there's Stevens. more coaches? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's Stevens. It's Pop. It's uh, Quinn Stop. Snyder, for sure. Quinn Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> Spolstra. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Really Every time it. I see Quinn Snyder, I just think that he murdered his entire family while on cocaine. Oh. Yeah, every time I see Quinn Snyder, I have a sudden <laughs> to just do tons of cocaine. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, you know what? I really want to watch Scarface. Yeah, I, Quinn Snyder, he's, do you think he's going to get overrated this next year? I know we, we're not really talking about like other teams, but I feel like he's going to get like really overrated this year. Cause I feel like the Utah Jazz are going to be like really good. And then they're going to be like, oh, my God, Quinn Snyder brought everything together finally. I feel like that's going to happen. He's going to get, like, that overrated treatment that uh, Stevens has right now. Mm, I don't know. I think I think he's been rated for so long now that even if they win more games this year, which they're going to do, it's I, my guess is that they'll he'll get he won't get that over the top race. You always got to look for Stevens is the I think Stevens is going to he, he might win coach of the year this year and it's going to be really annoying. Because it'll be like, oh, they had they overcame so much turmoil and like they have all these young guys and they won forty five games. It's gonna be fucking stupid. I guarantee it. All that sh- he got and he got like zero shit last year for the fact that he couldn't manage any egos at all. Um, whatever. I don't know. Maybe we should probably end this here. <laughs> we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're just uh, rambling. We could just end it uh, here. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to plug anything? I've got an article coming out around training camp 
figure it's uh, a little too early to drop. So other than that, I um, I don't, yeah, that's about it for right now. Schwinn, you want to plug anything? Uh, I just was on a general NBA podcast. Uh, the second part of it dropped this week. It's just like a ranking of the top players in the NBA and kind of a lot of theoretical discussion on what's, why. What's the podcast name? Uh, bench the bench mob. If you want my timeline, uh, I just I retweeted it earlier today, so it's there. So check it out. All right, guess it's my turn to plug something. I'm going to plug the Posting and Toasting show hosted by uh, Drew Steele and Ashwin Romnoff. Um, it comes on every Monday, so definitely check that out. Um, I want to plug the Sopranos. That's a great show that you guys should watch. Um, I want to plug the city of Boston and all its great universities and disgusting, disgusting. And it's very diverse food culture here. That's totally amazing. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. So you notice um, he didn't say Brookline. He just said Boston, which proves that he's lumping Brookline in with Boston, which means that Brookline is Boston. It's true. It's a good checkmate. Point. There you go. You guys got me after I downed a whole bottle of uh, wine during this podcast. So that's it for this episode, and we'll see you next time.